Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. Yay. (laughs) All right. Uh, I have a hard time today because all of this, I needed to remember and do this, all of that. All right. Uh, So we're continuing this series of messages entitled, Putting Jesus on Display in Love and Power. And today I'll briefly review some of the things that we've spoken before. And by the way, if you're here for the first time, I would highly recommend you to go to our website and listen to some of these messages. They were very, very good. Just in general, in 2021, we had a good series of messages. Uh, So I'll briefly review some of the things that we've said before. And then I'm going to point today. I hate to do that, but I I just felt like I have to do it. I'm going to point to a problem that I seem to notice in my life. And I'm afraid many of you will acknowledge, if you're honest with yourself, that this problem may be present in your life. And at the end, I'm going to point out to what the Bible shows us as a solution to this problem. So just to review, a couple of weeks ago, on October 24th, I preached here, and I was finishing the previous series of messages. And one of the key scriptures was Matthew 5, 14, 16. Some of you may remember that. I'm going to read it again today. These are Jesus' words, and he speaks to his apostles, but we know that these words are applicable to us. We can apply them to ourselves. Let's read the scripture. Do we have it on the slide? Matthew 5, 14, 16. Yes. Jesus says following words to his disciples. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We talked about the biblical concept of the glory of God, and it's compared to the shining of the light. The light can be, can shine more intensely and less intensely, and you know, when, when the light shines, God becomes real. We talked about it. So I made an important uh, distinction for you. I pointed out to important distinction for you that although it starts with you are the light of the world, to the world, you guys are the light. But if you read it carefully, you will realize you're not the light. You have the light. And it's very important. Do you understand that? And it's also deliberating because you don't have to have this, to, you know, we feel this pressure that we're called to be a great billboard for Jesus and we're not that great actually very often. And we feel bad and we feel like we're not qualified. But the understanding that it's not you, you're just the carrier, you're just a steward, you're just a manager, so to speak, of the light that has been given to you is actually deliberating. I'm okay. Yeah, I, I know. I, you want to tell me how bad I am sometimes? I know. Go ahead. <laughs> You're not going to like, you know, put me off by that. But Jesus is still wonderful and I'm going to speak about Jesus basically. Right? So we, we, should, we should have it engraved in our mind. We 
to the world we are the light if we understand our light that has been given to us and we learn to steward it properly so there are basically two modes of handling this light we can cover it and put it in the corner or we can put it in a high place and let it shine and what it shines when we let our light shine God becomes real to people that he is not real yet that's how it works the only reason you're here today is because somebody dared to shine their light and God became real to you today that's how it works that's how it works yes Parker I love he always engages so specifically what is this light that has been given to us I mean yes we say Jesus in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 it says that this light is the gospel of the glory of Christ this light is the gospel of the glory of Christ in in 2nd Corinthians 4 5 it says we and and it, it carries the same thought do we have 2nd Corinthians 4 5 do we yeah for what we proclaim is not ourselves that's exactly what I said this is deliberating we don't proclaim we don't preach ourselves we don't promote ourselves we don't try to impress people with ourselves we try to speak about Jesus we don't proclaim ourselves but Jesus Christ is Lord that's what we do and in the next chapter we're not gonna read it it's, it's actually gives us a summary of this proclamation oh no we're gonna read it it's in my notes that means we're gonna read it uh, next chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 20, beginning from verse 18. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to himself, reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. And he's not counting their trespasses against them anymore. He entrusting us to us this message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God listen the whole ministry of the New Testament boils down to a bold proclamation of the person and the work of Jesus Christ can I hear an amen to that there's nothing else actually there's nothing else it's all about making Jesus known to the world and we've seen in the book of Acts in chapter 1 verse 8 that after Jesus was raised from the dead disciples tried to push their old understanding and concept of the kingdom they said is that this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel they still associated the coming of the kingdom to the physical restoration of the nation of Israel and through that nation the blessings will come to the rest of the world but Jesus kind of cut it short this this conversation he said none of your business those things he said no 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 that's not what you should be concerned with that's not what you should be focused on you you totally like forget about it let me reiterate what's your number one goal what's your number one purpose what's your primary commission from me go and wait for the blessing that was promised by the Father Holy Spirit is going to come and enable you to become my witnesses 
the primary function of the Holy Spirit in your life, not just to make God real, it is. Holy Spirit makes Jesus real and present in your life. But it's not for you, just for you. It's not. It is for you to be a witness. Who is a witness? A witness is someone who has a first-hand experiential knowledge of something. We don't need more nominal Christians who know a lot about God but have no first-hand experiential knowledge of God. We need witnesses. Holy Spirit came to empower us to be a witness for Him. So basically what I'm trying to tell you, this whole series about putting Jesus on display is, is about being a witness for Jesus. It's about preaching the gospel, the good news. It's, it's about shining the light that is not you. You are not that light, but you've been, you've been given that light. And here's the irony. Uh, 2,000 years later, Jesus' words about not putting the light in the corner or under the basket are still very relevant. That seems to be the tendency of what we do, actually. I'll be honest with you. I mean, we moved. I'm sorry. I have to talk to you about this today. There's a problem among Christians today. If you identify yourself as a Christian and you're not being a witness, something's wrong with your Christianity. I'm sorry. And that's our tendency, that's our natural tendency and inclination. In 2014, we have moved to America from Russia. I'm originally from, from I was born and raised in the Soviet Union, then became a Christian, then Russia became whatever it is right now. I, am, I don't know what it is right now, but I moved here. This is my home. I love this country. So it's easy for me to, to split my life into before I moved to America and after I moved to America. So I remember specifically the guy that I personally led to Christ right before I moved out of Russia to America. And it's been almost eight years ago, seven and a half years ago. So since I have this big milestone of moving, it's easy for me to measure, look back and on, be honest with myself. And again, listen to me. You know me. I don't believe in, 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 in uh, condemnation and accusation as, as a great motivational technique i know some preachers do that it doesn't work and it's not even new testament accusation and condemnation and guilt trips do not work so i don't want you to feel guilty it's stupid to be guilty don't be guilty just be honest see and engage god if you see a problem in your life as a christian engage god with it say god look at this I think I have a problem. What do I do with this? Tell me. Help me. Help me to understand. So I look back and we moved in 2014. So I tried to count how many people did I personally witness about Christ since I moved to, to this country. And this, this, I don't count that. That's cheating. I mean, you're a pastor, of course you're preaching. Of course you're preaching. So I don't count that. I'm talking about as a Christian, not as a pastor. As a witness. So I started counting. So eight years, I, I think I testified about 10 people to 10 people personally. Four of them, no, seven of them became Christians. Four of them got baptized. Two of them, three of them I baptized myself. One of them declined, just rejected. 
In 2018, I stopped working for a big church here in town, and I went to a secular job, and I work in a big warehouse at nights, and I, 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 I juggle between my personal family life, ministry, and this work to have my bills pay. And at my workplace, and it's a high-paced work, and it's very little opportunity to talk to people. I asked myself, did I witness to how many people did I actually spoke about Jesus? Did I offer prayer for? Did I do anything kingdom-related? And I counted like I, I prayed for five people. I led one guy to the Lord. I, something like that. So eight years, about nine people touched by the gospel. Is that a good or bad statistics? Everybody like, uh, I don't know. Hey, listen, that's the problem. You don't know. I don't know what's your statistics. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you, I'm super unhappy about it. Oh, yeah. You know why? Because I know every, it's not me. It's the light that I have. And every time I let this light shine, it affects people. It does something. The problem that I don't have more is because I don't let this light shine. That's it. Hey, how about you? I don't want you to be stupid guilty. Don't be guilty. Just deal with this. Be honest with yourself. Say, ask yourself, Lord, okay, within the last five years, how many people did I share about Jesus with? Be honest. Write it down. Bring it to the Lord. Do something about it. And that's exactly what we're doing. I mean, what we're promoting, what we're advocating here is called it came to be known as power evangelism. You know what? Basically, it's evangelism. Evangelism is when you preach about Jesus. Power evangelism, when you see somebody, you know, limping and you say, hey, can I pray for you? He says, oh, maybe, I don't know, whatever. Lord Jesus, heal him. Holy Spirit, come. Pain, be gone in Jesus' name. And God goes, what's going on? What's going on? I have no pain left. What's going on? Now he's going to listen. Most likely he's going to listen. That's a kind of a shortcut. But here's the thing. If you're not willing to preach the gospel, you're not going to pray for the guy. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're somehow, I don't know how, we're not letting the light shine. I mean, every single one of you have a bright light in you. And you don't let it shine. Why? I'm not <laughs> crickets. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm preaching. I'm brother. I like. I felt bad about this morning because I knew that I had to address it. Because that's kind of like you know, I was put on the spot for that. I believe the reason why we do not dare to open our mouth and open our heart is we never stopped and studied the risks involved. But we, we feel subconsciously that there's some risks involved when we would let the light shine. And the fear, the amount of fear in our heart seems to be bigger than the amount of faith that is required to step out and do something. And that means that we don't live by faith in those areas. We live by fear. And my friend, this is not biblical. And my main point today is like, yeah, we're so excited when we hear the stories and testimonies about people healed, about people delivered from demons. But 
it's going to be a story of someone else, but not of this congregation. If you and me would not bring to the surface those fears, address them honestly, tackle them, and replace them with faith, and start doing something about it. That's not going to happen. I, I can actually wrap it up now. This is it. I mean, you're going to see no manifestation of God's reality through your, this congregation if you continue to, to let this fear dominate your heart. You need to, to, to honor. I mean, I know. You know I, I don't know what to speak. I, I have so many things to share with you. So I need to. Uh, Wimber, John Wimber. You know John Wimber, he, he's a founder of the church movement called Vineyard. We're part of this movement. We're part of this family of churches. The, the only thing that he really did, he rediscovered this, the power evangelism, this, this, this model that Jesus practiced, that early disciples practiced, which is basically a twofold ministry. Jesus was preaching himself as the entry point into the family of God and as the focal point of the kingdom of God. And he did it by two primary ways. He would declare the word and he would stretch out his hand and he would show what the kingdom is like. Early disciples has done the same thing. Early churches, they basically did the same ministry. They declared Jesus as the entry point into God's family and the focal point of God's kingdom. And they would lay their hands and they would deliver people from demonic oppression. They would raise the dead. They would heal the sick. They would do the stuff. Over the church history, church lost both proclamation of the gospel and demonstration of the power. Reformation began in 16th century in Europe with the restoration of the Bible. Finally, Bible was returned to Christians. Christians began to read the Bible. And when they began to read the Bible in their own language, they began to see things. The gospel. The gospel. Religion was repudiated and the gospel began to shine and change the lives of people and the whole nations. It took another couple of hundred years to discover that the twofold model of Jesus' ministry is still valid. You preach the word of truth and you expect God to validate it with his mighty works of power. God has not retired. He hasn't moved to Florida. He's still here. He's ready to send his angels to do stuff. When you open up your mouth and begin to speak about Jesus. All right? <laughs> so now we're at this point and we're not doing it. The Bible has been restored to us. The gospel has been restored to us. The twofold model of ministry has been restored to us. Wimber has been known, John Wimber has been known for short, pithy, succinct sayings expressing good, like important truths. They're called Wimberisms. One of the Wimberisms was doing the stuff. When he became a Christian, he began to read the Bible and he saw that people preached and he saw also that people would do stuff and he just called it doing stuff. So he came to his first pastor and he said, when am I going to do the stuff? They said, what stuff? He said, the stuff I read in the book of Acts, like all this commotion and like laying hands and people getting sick and demons flying out and so, oh, we don't do that stuff anymore. So, huh? So one lady came to another Wimberism is, the meat is out 
on the street. Meaning, in the 80s, when his, his ministry was reaching its prime, most American Christians would measure their spiritual growth by being involved in as many Bible studies as possible. And one lady came to him and she said, when will you start doing something that would give us spiritual meat? Because we're so tired of all this Jesus talk. We want deep and advanced and profound. And he said, you want meat? Meat is on, on the street. Meaning that when you create this Christian bubble and stay there and become an Amish, basically, version of Christianity, no matter what it is. I mean, you become exotic and weird looking and weird, you know, you, you use weird language and nobody can understand you anymore. You're advanced. You're not. You're deluding. I mean, it's illusory. The meat, I mean, experiential knowledge of God is on the street. When you take the truth of the gospel, you, you, you take your personal experience of God and you begin to witness to others. I've been harsh enough with you today, so I'll encourage you to. <clears throat> Man, I don't even know how far I am in, in my... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am preaching today. Man, I feel so for, sorry for you guys. <laughs> so we, we're called to do, to do it just like Jesus did, this twofold ministry. We're, we're, we're called to, take, to, to realize that light has been given to us. And to let this line shine. And we do it by two things. We speak the words of life about Jesus. And we dare to expect God to do miraculous things in people's life when we pray. And the most, the biggest problem is not not knowing how to do that. That's not a problem. Some of you would say, Dennis, I would like to do that. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. Hey, listen, that's not a problem at all. We can teach you. We can like, it's, it's easy. It's more easier than you think. Your first healing will take place when you pray. You'll be probably more impressed than the guy who gets healed. Your first salvation that will take place because of your testimony and someone will receive the Lord and be baptized and become a different person will come easy. You don't work hard. You just open your mouth. You will have a hard time believing that it's actually happening. The biggest problem is this attitude of not willing to let this light shine. And the, the gospel, it's interesting that the Bible connects our involvement in gospel preaching. Symbolically connects it to a certain part of our body. And it's not a tongue. It's not lips. It's not a mouth. It's not a tongue. So it, it means... It, it has nothing to do with how eloquent you are. Hey, come on, look at me. I, English is not even my native language. But it's connected to our feet. Can you believe that? <clears throat> In the book of <clears throat> Romans, Paul begins to explain how, how people become Christians. He says, to become a Christian, somebody needs to believe. To believe, somebody needs to preach to that person. To preach to that person, somebody needs to actually be sent by God how beautiful, he says, are the feet of the one who comes to preach the good news. He's quoting Isaiah. Your feet is the most important. I mean, feet denote your willingness, your readiness, your, your, your readiness to take a step, to go, 
to step out of your comfort zone. You hear me? Yeah. So your feet, I mean, you need to do something about your feet here. And uh, <laughs> in, in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul uses this imagery of armor of God. You probably know this scripture. In the sixth chapter of Ephesians, he lists all the elements that represent the full equipment for the effective ministry of a Christian. There is a footwear there. And it says it. Put on, and different translations render it differently. I love one of the translations that, that renders it this way. And put on your feet the readiness to preach the gospel of peace. So here's the problem, guys. Most of us are barefoot. We need to take... So here's what I wanted you to do. I don't want you to try. Please don't try. Because if you try, you will fail and you will quit. Just realize before God that you are a witness. That's your primary calling and function, Penny. Penny, you're a witness in Springfield. You're a witness for Jesus. You know that, right? Yeah, you got to move in that now. You're a witness. You're a witness. You're a witness. Dennis, you're a witness. I mean, I don't care if you preach from the pulpit or not. You're a witness in your daily life. Remember the, the John, the minister who preached to us last week? Everywhere, every time, every day, to everyone. So, somebody's knocking on the door. I hope it's not Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no. Stand at the door and knock. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I was tempted and I yielded. <laughs> so... Did I say what I wanted to say? I think I did. Well, so the, the New Testament, so, so basically I, I pretty much re repeat it many, many times today. And I'm going to repeat it finally. And this will be it. We're done with today's message. But let me remind you that you are very special people called by God, elected by God, handpicked by God for this time and this place to be his witnesses. And he's given you this light, which is the gospel of peace. You have it. Nobody else has it. You have the gospel of peace. You may not know exactly how to express it and communicate it. It's not a problem. Please come to Neil. Come to us. We can have like class. By the way, one of the books that I recommend is Power Evangelism by John Wimber. That's a great book that systematically leads you through preparing yourself to be involved in power evangelism on the streets, to your co-workers, to your family. You can study it in groups. So there are methods, there are ways. It's not a problem. The biggest problem is, is, is the fear in your heart. And we are to overcome this fear. I mean, here's the secret. I'm going to tell you a secret as I wrap up. We all are afraid to take a risk. And we're afraid of failure. But let me tell you something. No matter what happens, if you open your mouth and try to witness for Christ, no matter, I'm serious, even if you would get welcomed or you'll get a cold shoulder, you'll get celebrated or you'll get scolded, somebody would joyfully receive Christ or they, you would be called a, like a bigot and Jesus freak and whatever, it's all good. 
The only failure is when you don't do it. That's the only failure. So please, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come home today. And when you have your time of prayer, engage with the Lord and say, Lord, have I ever witnessed to anyone? And if I have, when was the last time? Do I know how to do it? Lord, I'm willing. I don't want the fear to stop me from being what you called me to be. You and I are called to be a witness for Jesus. Whether you do it by power evangelism, by, you know, offering a prayer for healing and see healing, that will happen. Or whether you do it by words, speaking about Jesus. Actually, you shouldn't separate those things. Those things are two sides of the same gospel. You, you, you preach the forgiveness of sins and you pray for the healing and healing happens. When Wimber begins to see the reality of this, for nine months he has been teaching and preaching from the Bible about healings. And not a single healing happened for nine months. And the very first healing that happened was a woman who was like, had a horrible flu. She had a runny nose, like red eyes. She was in a state that no woman wanted to be seen publicly. And her husband called, she, uh, Wimber came, and as he, his testimony is, as he was laying a hand to pray, he was preparing his uh, speech to explain why healing didn't happen. Because he was used to that so much. But he was stubborn. He said, I'm like, it isn't the Bible. It's not working in my life. The Bible is more valid than my life experience. So I'm going to stand on the Bible. So he put his hand. He started praying. It's been almost a year since he's been preaching and teaching. And nothing has been happening. He put his hand. He started praying. And he was getting ready to explain why this didn't happen. And he heard this scream from this woman. Because all the symptoms were lifted like that that actually happened so things like that happen what are we risking when we decide to be ready to open our mouth and preach the gospel well maybe they'll call you a fool so what but what are we risking if we're not i was in the little church plant in st petersburg russia that was a weird church plant it was all the people who began to pursue high education and they decided, oh, we need a church for smart people. So we started developing the smart sermons and smart everything. And we, we've been doing it for five years and people were happy with that. But this group of people were 15 people and nothing was happening. No salvations, no baptism, no nothing. And then this lady, she didn't have time to figure out what kind of church it was. She joined the church and she had a heart to be a witness. So she witnessed to another lady and that lady became a Christian. Finally, in five years, we had our first baptism. Somebody got saved, praise the Lord. It's really hard to, to be safe when somebody is trying to impress you with how smart they are. The gospel needs to be preached. We don't preach ourselves. So this lady became a Christian. She got baptized. And then and I discovered an amazing thing. Listen, today is 2021. I think this young man is about 18 years old. She came to me and she said, when I became a Christian... A few months prior to that, I discovered that I was pregnant and I already was scheduled to have an abortion. But when I became a Christian and got baptized, the Holy Spirit became so real and I just realized it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. I cannot do that.
And she decided to keep a child. And today there's a living soul in the city of Russia because somebody just opened their mouth and spoke the gospel. That's how it works, guys. That's how it works. So that's what we're risking if we don't let the shine, light shine. So once again, I will say, please deal with this, with the Lord. Engage the Lord. No stupid guilt. No stupid guilt. But acknowledgement of a real problem, fear in your heart to preach the gospel. And prayer, earnest and honest prayer to overcome this fear and to learn how to be a witness. I want you to, to pray to the Lord, to to have an opportunity to witness for him before the, this year ends. I, if we would just at least get the statistics that I'm not happy with myself, I have, this, this place would be filled because we would, we would shine the light. I, I've said it enough. I think I drove this thought to you. So let's pray right now. Let's pray together right now. Father, we thank you so much that you let us You've led us to hear the gospel once, and we received it, we responded, we accepted that, and the reality of your presence has flooded our life. You have come real to us, Lord. Lord, help us to experience you in a very real, tangible, palpable way. Lord, and we know that part of this experience is to open our heart and embrace this pasture of being willing, being ready to preach the gospel of peace. Father, we pray, don't let us be barefooted Christians. Help us to have these shoes put on our feet, readiness to preach the gospel of peace. Father, I pray for every single person here who was touched by this message. Don't let this message fade away. Let it grow on them. Let it stir up their heart. Let them bring it to you in prayer. And let them step out of their comfort zone and begin to function as a witness for you. Teach us all, Lord. Teach us to do the power evangelism, to pray for people, to, to expect your miracles to happen, but also equip us to preach the words of truth about Jesus, to preach the gospel of peace. And send your angels to manifest, to manifest your kingdom through us as we go and witness for Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.